Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Joining us today is Vice President and Group Director Phil Harrell to discuss the frequent disconnect between marketing and sales organizations and how it can be addressed. Phil joins us through the acquisition of Series Decisions and runs our sales executive research. Welcome, Phil. Thanks. So let's call it duck a duck. <laughs> this is not a new topic. Nope. So let's explore why why we're here today and uh, why we should be discussing this at Still. this point in time. Yeah. Well, we're here for two reasons. One is that sales and marketing alignment, although it's been talked about for a long time, we haven't made as significant a progress as we need to. Mm. And so we're here because although we've talked about it, we're not getting the results that we need to. The second thing that's really important to know is that where we are with the buyer today in terms of how the buyer wants to buy, it means that sales and marketing alignment is even more important than it was 10, 15 years ago because the roles of sales and marketing and how they have to jointly engage with that buyer are increasingly important. So that's why we're here. We haven't made much progress as much as we should have. And two, it's only becoming more important, which actually makes it even more important to make sure that we make the progress in getting them aligned. Yeah. And I can imagine too, the economic outlook and the economy that it is that it's not only important to be customer centric and focus on the buyer, but also just to survive and thrive in 2020 and beyond, this alignment is more important than ever. Absolutely. I mean, thinking about where we are today, but where the economy could go, it makes it more important than ever. And the ability actually to serve the buyer in the way they want, if you don't have marketing and sales aligned, then you're not going to be able to give them the experience that they are demanding, which in the economy, I don't care if the economy is doing well or it's not doing well. Uh, the companies that are going to win are the companies that are able to deliver a, just a better buying experience. Mm-hmm. And if marketing is talking to them in a certain way and not passing that information on to sales and sales is talking to those same buyers in a different way and it's disconnected, then, of course, the buyer is going to have a disjointed and friction-filled experience, which is, means they're going to choose other providers for their, for their offerings. Mm-hmm. So you, you've mentioned twice that progress isn't exactly where it should be between marketing and sales in terms of working together and alignment. What's behind that? Well, I think historically that you just have some preconceived notions that have existed that that still persist. Uh, historically, and let's just get them out there right yeah. now. Uh, sales leaders, some of them think that marketing is arts and crafts. Mm. And so you have sales leaders that were brought up in a generation where marketing actually didn't have a lot of data and the tools that they have today, which meant that they actually didn't generate a lot of leads and didn't do a lot to help the sales team from a day-to-day perspective. That's That was a long time ago, but a lot of those sales leaders grew up in that period and are now running sales teams. On the same side, some of those preconceived notions that marketing has about sales is that they're cowboys. They're out there slinging deals. They'll sign up whatever customer it takes. They'll lie to customers if they need to, to get deals in the door. And those are, uh, have, are beliefs that started a long time ago. And many of those marketers are now in executive roles. So it's no wonder that you have these, these things that have existed, the idea of what sales means, what marketing means, uh, that have persisted for a long time because uh, those people grew up in an era when sales was different and marketing is different. Now marketing has changed. Now sales has changed. And companies realize, in forward-thinking sales leaders and marketing leaders realize that in order to be successful, in order to engage with that buyer in the way that buyer wants to uh, be uh, wants to purchase, you have to have tighter alignment. You have to have integration of systems and processes uh, to make that work. And that's what's driving the need for even more of the need for better alignment uh, uh, today. 
So if we go a little bit deeper, where are the specific points of disconnect between marketing and sales? Because I feel like we can all day be talking about misalignment, but what underneath that is actually disconnected? Well, I think one of the biggest uh, problems that I see working with sales leader clients every day uh, and engaging with marketing executives as a point point of uh, working with sales leaders is that there's just fundamental lack of alignment on how to view the contribution that's made. Mm -hmm. If you think about sales, what does sales care about fundamentally? They care about pipeline and the end of the deal, they they want closed deals because that's how sales is measured. How much revenue did you bring in? How much bookings did you bring in? Are you making your number or are you not making your number? You think about marketing a lot of times, marketing is being viewed for how many leads they generate or how many blog views they get or how many other social media shares and likes. Those are, I'm not saying those are terrible, but they're leading indicators. If you have marketing standing up and presenting data that is about how many views they got or how many leads they generated for the sales team, and you have sales team standing up and talking about their pipeline and revenue, you fundamentally don't have alignment on what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, how to change that, and one thing that I work with sales leaders to, to do, and the marketing team works with our marketing team, our clients to do as well, is to align around what are the measures that should be used that are jointly shared that ultimately they can align around. And I found that to be one of the most powerful things, which is aligning around targets. So instead of saying to marketing, we generate this many leads, it's marketing, what is the contribution you're going to make to pipeline? And what's the contribution that you're going to make to revenue generation? Now, that might make some people listening on the call from a marketing perspective a little uncomfortable. Wait a minute. I'm now being held accountable for not just the leads I generate, how many opportunities are generated from the leads that I contributed and whether or not those closed. Uh, That can make some marketers feel very uncomfortable and can make some sales leaders uncomfortable. Wait a minute, that's my domain. Pipeline generation and revenue is my domain. That shouldn't be something that marketing is is being viewed as contributing to. That's what needs to change. And Mm. if you get alignment around that and you say, look, we're going to look at the different sources of demand based on the market that we're pursuing. We're going to understand the contribution that we expect from marketing based on the markets that we're pursuing. We know, for example, in the data we look at, the contribution in sourced pipeline and sourced revenue from marketing for an enterprise segment is very different than a small business segment. Small business, you have millions of potential customers. Marketing is a lot more efficient at going out out after those. But being able to look at what the target should be from a marketing contribution should be very different than at the enterprise where it's it's thousands of accounts, potential customers, and it's a very more outbound sales motion. Sales has to contribute a lot more to actually doing the sourced uh, pipeline and and, uh, revenue. So at its very core, you have to agree on how are we going to align on the way we're going to measure uh, the contribution that's being made between sales and marketing? And that helps clear up. That's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. There's other key th- uh, components to making sure this alignment happens. But I've seen that's one really critical one. And we're starting to really see progress. And in fact, the demand unit waterfall, which is one of Sears Decision and Forrester's flagship uh, uh, models in the demand marketing service, really talks about demand unit. Mm-hmm. That's a big concept that they rolled out when they ran out the rolled out the demand unit waterfall. A demand unit is a buying group. It's essentially the same thing as an opportunity, uh, which is critical. So everybody's converging on on really trying to look at what the contribution is around a shared shared metrics. So, so you talked about the changing buyer earlier, and I think one of the components you're referring to is this idea of a demand unit, right? Is that mm-hmm. so much of B2B buying is a collaborative decision and there's multiple points there and decision points. How does a marketer contribute and show contribution to a unit purchase uh, versus just a regular lead. And I think this goes to your enterprise versus maybe small business discussion. It feels like the enterprise piece of this is 
got to be incredibly challenging for marketers. It is challenging. And, and, and even if you're not expecting a lot of your pipeline to be sourced in the enterprise for marketing, because that's more, again, usually you're going to see more of that is more of an outbound sales motion. Sales will have to contribute more to penetrating the enterprise. Marketing is still making a very important contribution, so I don't want to minimize that. Mm-hmm. They're making it a different way. You're using usually an account-based marketing approach, very coordinated with the sales team. You're going to then do more about influence and identifying those contacts. It's more about enabling the sales team, arming the sales team with the right content to help that sales team be successful in their sales efforts to get into those accounts. So it's not to minimize the contribution. It's just a different type of contribution. But again, what's really important up front is to agree on that. And I agree with you. In, in this demand unit idea, if you think about the demand unit, in a lot of ways, it's very aligned to what sales cares about. I see this problem all the time mm-hmm. with sales leaders and sales reps when I was le- leading sales organizations. Reps would end up being single-threaded. The idea that they're talking to one buyer, even in an enterprise, they only have one person they're talking to, and they're betting the farm that that person can get the deal done. And what happens if that person leaves? They're done. They're hosed. The right. deal is starting over again. So a lot of the conversations sales leaders have with their sales reps is you have to be multi-threaded. You have to make sure that you understand how that decision uh, process is made, who's involved, what role people play. Are they decision makers? Are they ratifiers? And that's the same thing as the demand unit. So it's aligning around the same idea, which is the demand unit. Water demand unit is essentially the people that are involved in that buying decision. And marketing doing a really good job of identifying who those people are and helping get those people to be interested in, in the products and services that companies are assigned. So that's another instance of more alignment around a common way of actually approaching trying to sell and market to, to customers. This may be such a minor point, but it feels like oftentimes there's a conversation about who gets credit for the deal. And that's a very human thing to get over. And that might be at least one of the situations that's inserting itself to the misalignment that's happening. Is, is that fair to point to that? And how do you help firms unwind that mentality or maybe misconception? Well, it's not easy. I mean, if you're if you're saying that you're going to contribute a certain amount of opportunity or a certain amount of pipe or revenue, then you're going to have groups that are trying to say, that they were the ones that generated that. Right. And it's natural. I mean, we're not saying marketing is only um, demand source either. We have four major demand sources. Sales is one key demand source. Channels is another. Tele, which is the mm-hmm. telesales team, mm-hmm. which is like the BDR, SDRs, and then you have marketing. So for four different functions that are responsible for contributing demand, and each of those should have a goal aligned to pipeline and to revenue for sourcing that. And you do get some tension around, frankly, who gets credit and attribution and things like that. But at least in those cases, it's more aligned to the same ultimate goal of what they're trying to accomplish, right? Which is, and it's, it starts to have the right kinds of conversations too, when uh, marketing turns over, is able to generate a certain number of opportunities for the sales rep. Uh, and, and the sales rep, their marketing wants to know that those are progressing. Mm-hmm. And you know what, if marketing is doing a terrific job of generating opportunities through the sourcing, a lot of opportunities for the sales organization, and those opportunities are not progressing and they're stuck, then rightly so. What's going on within the sales organization? Why isn't the sales organization progressing these? You've accepted these leads. Yep. You've accepted them. You've, you've made them SQLs. You've made them opportunities. Why aren't they progressing? And that's a legitimate question. That's what, so looking at that whole demand unit waterfall and figuring out where are, where's the, where is it broken? Mm-hmm. Where's the, where's the problem? Yep. Is it in the top of the uh, demand unit waterfall where we're just not generating 
enough interest or is it really toward the middle or bottom of that demand waterfall? But that's those are the right conversations. So I'd love to say you can eliminate friction in terms of uh, attribution and it's, it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's not. But at least when you're when you're aligning around the outcome that's similar and it's around revenue and around pipeline, now you've at least had, you're starting to have the right conversations. And you're using data, yeah. right, as part of those conversations, which is significantly more useful than pointing fingers at each other, potentially. Um, And Jen, I think when I think about the emotion that you talked Mm -hmm. about there with needing to prove actually a department's value, frankly, that's usually going to happen more in marketing than it is in sales, right? Um, I think it's very clear what a sales team contributes to Mm -hmm. a company um, and the calculus around adding sales heads and bookings or revenue. Whereas marketing often feels, you know, on many fronts, I mean, look at CMOs get beat up constantly, right. both in B2B and B2C. Just it feels at times like it's treated as a nice to have by companies. So how can sales leaders help prove the value of marketing and help their marketing you know, counterparts elevate the discussion so that they can remove this insecurity piece in the organization? There must be a role here since sales yes. leaders have a great opportunity here, right? They have a lot of clout. I think what's really important for sales leaders, first of all, you you have to have, it helps to have a good productive relationship. You don't mm-hmm. have to be best friends, but I do think it's important for executives to have good working relationships. So sales leaders need to invest the time to build those relationships with their marketing counterparts. I think sales leaders need to um, uh, reassess their view of marketing to say, do I really understand the new role of marketing, right? Are my views outdated? Marketing has progressed so far, and I, I saw this as a practitioner, which I thought was tremendously exciting. And when it's done right, marketing plays an enormously important role in helping sales leaders contribute. So partly it's sales leaders stepping back and saying, okay, do I have a productive relationship? Are I investing time to get to know this person? Have I outlined, have I made sure that my views, I checked my views at the door and I'm giving marketing a chance? And then basically sitting down with that marketing leader and saying, look, here's what I need, which is contribution, and not in terms of leads, I hear this from sales leaders all the time. I don't need uh, tons of lead. I need more opportunities. And so have that productive conversation and, and then, and then point out um, when there's success, make sure you're giving credit to mm-hmm. the, the source of demand. So when marketing is having success in generating opportunities to ultimately close, obviously sales gets the, gets a lot of attaboys and that's just the nature of sales, but really make sure you're, you're attributing the impact that your marketing counterpart had in helping deliver those deals. The other thing I think is in terms of joint reporting. So one thing I see happen all the time within organizations is there's separate reporting. So sales is reporting on one, it's back to what I had said before, but you see these reports that are generated by sales and then you see these reports that are generated by marketing and each silo, each function is reporting separately up and down their silo. And what's really important is to have joint reporting. So you have a set of reports that, or at least metrics you're looking at that are, that are shared and you're reporting on those jointly to your whole organizations to send the message that this, these are critical to, to both, both sales and marketing, ultimately. And we are both held accountable for the contribution that we're making. And if we win, uh, it's because of the contribution that we're both making, both functions. And if we lose, it's because of the, the lack of contribution both functions made. How do you think SLAs factor in here between those two groups? Sometimes SLAs get a bad rap, right? <laughs> but it can be really productive if you're at the table with your sales counterpart or marketing counterpart and committing to a, a common outcome and and you're holding each other accountable. I, they're totally important. I mean, some of these things sound so fundamental and so easy. It's almost embarrassing when you say them. <laughs> but sometimes the easiest things are hard to do. Yeah. And they're overlooked. What is a lead? 
the taxonomy. Right. I mean, before you even get to a service level agreement, you have to agree. If you take most sales and marketing people and put them in a room and say, what's the lead or what's the sales qualified lead as you work your way down the, mm -hmm. the, the demand unit waterfall, you'll get totally different answers. You have to agree up front. Like, what are we talking about? Let's make sure we're saying the same thing when we're talking about sales core, sales accepted lead. What are the criteria that we're using? What's the taxonomy? And then you have to define those lead management processes that you're going to use. And how are those leads going to get routed? And it's really scientific and it sounds like, whoa, that's a lot of process. But if you want to do it right, you have to figure out that incredible flow of where those, how those leads, where they go, um, who follows up on them and how frequently and how quickly they follow up on one of those service level agreements between sales and marketing. So we, um, we do, we work with sales leaders and marketing leaders all the time to help them define uh, what a lead is, the taxonomy, and then define lead management processes and then define the service level agreements to hold each side accountable. And that will be reported on jointly. So for sales, the most obvious ones is how fast is it going to take you to re respond to a lead that's been generated? And, and that should be reported on because if marketing is going to make a tremendous amount of effort and invest a lot of resources to generate a lead for the sales team, then they should respond in a certain amount of time and with a certain amount of frequency before they give up. And on the marketing side, they need to step up with saying this is how, men, how much and the quality and quantity of opportunities that we'll deliver to you. What I've seen in the best sales and marketing organizations in terms of alignment that I've ever been part of or that I see with my clients you have really, really good, strong relationships and trust with each other, which is the fundamental part. You have a, you've done a very good job of aligning up front on what the targets are, which is what I talked about up front, right? With opportunities and pipeline and making sure it's all up front. Then you've aligned um, in terms of what the taxonomy of a lead is. And then you have uh, lead management processes that have been well-defined and you have service level agreements in place to govern that. And then you have to make sure you have the underlying infrastructure that's been integrated from a technology perspective you can exchange data back and forth. This is all predicated on being able to exchange data bi-directionally between systems so that you can close loop full close loop reporting. Uh, and then the final step is, like we talked about, having that joint reporting. So then you shine a light on it and you, um, you hold people accountable. If you're doing those elements, those are the big elements, you're going to have better alignment and we'll see better results. So if sales and marketing are not aligned, what are we talking timeline-wise to see this type of transformation? Is this a three, six, 12 month endeavor? And obviously ongoing with relationship building and what have you and reporting and, and the like. But if you have a sales leader who's like, okay, staking their ground, we're doing it this year. What are we talking about here? I think you can see results within three to six months. If a sales leader and marketing leader are committed and they know they have a problem and are willing to take the steps that are required, uh, they can do this. That's hopeful. It is in terms of seeing yeah, results. Yeah, right? I know. That's I what I was like expecting you to say. No, your cultural no, no, no. You know, transformation. <laughs> no, I honestly it, see results. Yep. I'm not right. saying the transformation is complete. Sure. Six months. But if you have a realization that you have a problem and you as a sales leader and a marketing leader are willing to sit down as executives and fix the problem and you have that will and you're willing to hold each other accountable and have that trust, you, you can get a lot done in terms of these things that I talked about. They're not earth shattering ideas. Uh, it, it takes people getting in a room and figuring this stuff out. We do workshops, one-day workshops with companies all the time. That's a one-day workshop to get everybody aligned on defining those service level agreements. Those aren't, it's, it's not hard if you have that will and that commitment mm. uh, from, from both sides. I was going to ask what the baby step plan is here. Maybe I think you might have just answered it. Is, is it the defining a lead? What yeah. would you, if you did nothing else together, is it that? I think step one is you have to, uh, at a minimum, define the contribution you're expecting from mm. the different sources of demand. You have to, I mean, you just, you have to 
make sure that both functions, marketing and sales, have an idea of what success looks like, and it's a shared view of what success looks like. So I, I think that's the most fundamental piece. And that's where most companies get it all wrong because they don't ever define it. How do you know if marketing is contributing in the way they should if you have no idea what you should be expecting? Well, you're probably expecting too much. Right. Right. That's <laughs> not something, something that's not realistic. Right. And even sitting down and saying, okay, um, you know, to the sales leader, for the marketing leaders to say, look, in the enterprise segment, our role really is more about enablement. It's more about influence. If you're expecting me to contribute 70% of the opportunities you generate, that's not marketing's role. Yeah, that segmentation is it's huge. It's huge and is a point I would like to underline because it is nuanced, right? I mean, yeah. or different per segment and important to acknowledge that it should be. Right. Because the level of effort and the nature of the toolkit towards that audience will be different and who you deploy from a resource perspective would be different, right? So you as a marketing leader need to understand that, take that on and also adjust how you're going to staff your team. I think that probably goes to the great ongoing debate about sales enablement as well, mm. right? Where does sales enablement sit? Mm -hmm. What does it do? That probably goes, it just, it just depends. Yes. Right? Yeah. It depends on what that sales enablement function looks like. We haven't really talked that much about it. It's sort of assumed it's, it's embedded within there, but I feel like firms have really struggled to get that function off the ground, probably yeah. because they haven't done the work that you've described. Yeah. And, and sales enablement, I think a lot of fun, uh, organizations struggle to define what, what is sales enablement and what is its role uh, in charter. And that's fundamental off the bat, right? I mean, to us, we look at uh, two, two functions that I think are sub-functions, I would say, or that are really underappreciated by most sales leaders are one is sales operations. And if, as in sales leaders, you have to have really good sales operations function to make sure that you have those, the data that is required, to make sure that you have the processes in, as required. As a sales leader, you have to really understand the importance of the process and data, but you need to probably rely on a strong sales operations department to implement those things. So we think about sales operations as really thinking about efficiency, which is the idea of how do I make my salespeople as efficient as possible, their time allocation, how they use their time. And we think of sales enablement as effectiveness. So as when a salesperson is in front of a customer or a prospect, do they have the competencies, the skills, the knowledge, the process knowledge to be able to be effective in front of that prospect or in front of that customer? But I agree with you, um, companies have a long way to go with sales enablement and um, and it's so critically important because, because back to what we started with and talking about that buyer, that buyer is so much more digitally savvy and digitally empowered than many sales organizations are today. And you're asking BDRs and SDRs to engage with that buyer in a digital way. You're asking for salespeople to engage with that buyer in the digital sphere. Have you armed them with the digital capability, competencies that are required in order to do that successfully? That old tried and true playbook uh, it's not going to work with someone who's a lot savvier and has ways of blocking you out unless you're out adding value. So how do you enable that sales team? How do you give them the content, the thought leadership that's required to establish that they are credible and that they're worth talking to and then all the other skills that they need to engage that buyer in the digital sphere? And that's very much a key part of what sales enablement should be doing. Mm. How does IT play in here, right? There are a couple angles I could see, right? We talked about the technology and the data flows being prerequisite for this to be off the ground. So there's that sort of tranche of work. And then what you were referencing a little while ago, Phil, was digital tools or new tools in the mix. 
there's likely has to be a partnership there too. So are you seeing that where, yes, once sales and marketing are coming together, um, agreeing on this, they're pulling on their, their IT partners to make sure that they're outfitted accordingly? Yes, we are. I mean, uh, b- b- pulling together is a very interesting term. So I'll, I'll build on that for a moment, and then I'll talk about IT. But the idea that as the buyer, the blending of where marketing leaves off and sales picks up mm-hmm. is uh, blurring, you're seeing the need for organizations to be able to have better alignment, which in some cases means uh, combining organizations into one. In some cases, it means just having a defined charter. But what we're seeing, for example, on the sales operations side is something we call revenue operations. So it's the idea that instead of having a marketing operations department or a sales mm-hmm. operations department, again, we're not saying it always has to be one group sure. under one leader, but the idea that the idea of a shared view of that customer and that prospect and being able to have the data and underlying data around that prospect and customer so you can enable the sellers and the marketers to be successful in their jobs. For example, in today's world, if you're a salesperson and, a mark, and somebody is a, a buyer is a prospect and they've been doing a lot of research on the website and they've downloaded white papers and then that lead is passed to a salesperson who has no context, no context of what that prospect has done and picks up the phone and talks to that prospect and it has no context and starts the conversation over, what does that prospect think about the organization? You haven't personalized it at all. You have no idea. I've been, I've been investigating you for months and now you have no idea and I got to start this over again and tell you all this stuff. That's a bad experience. And that's where having the underlying data that's shared and the technology that's um, together will allow that to be much more personalized as an experience, which is what they want, right? Buyers want speed. They want a frictionless experience. They want personalization. And you need those organizations to work collaboratively, much more collaboratively than they have before uh, to be successful. Then on the revenue, the sales enablement side, we're, we're seeing something called revenue enablement. Same idea. Mm. So instead of just enabling the sales team, so many real roles are now involved in interacting with the buyer. For example, customer success. What about the role of customer success? They're, they're interacting with the with this customer after they become a customer. What is the organization doing to enable them to be successful? Yeah, and I think your point about customer success is an interesting one because the rise of customer marketing and this concept of a leaky bucket and to yeah. retain customers and there's there's much more of a focus there, right? And so there it needs to be teed and tied or else... Again, terrible experience of, you know, marketing shooting off a bunch of emails. And and it starts all the way with sales. So we're, we're, we've written some really good research around uh, really the idea that sales leaders need to start looking at customer success as a strategic revenue generator. That's a big change. Yeah. You know, you're a sales leader and you think, oh, sales generates all the business and that's the thing and we're going to close these deals. And guess what, sales leaders? You not only need to care about customer success, you need to care about the types of deals your salespeople are actually closing. In a SaaS world, if you close customers that are not the ideal fit and you shove them over to customer success, they're going to churn. And you know what? In the end of the day, as a sales leader, you're held accountable for revenue in a SaaS world, maybe bookings, but probably a little bit of both. But if you're generating lots of business that's churning after three months because the expectations of the buyers was misset by your sales team and they're not getting any value, your revenue is going to, it's going to stay flat. You're only putting in new customers to take the place of the ones that drain out the bottom of the bucket. So it's a total mind shift in terms of what SaaS does to once you think about that your job is to sign up the right customers to set the expectations properly to ensure that the customer success organization has the information from a handoff so they can be successful and make sure those customers get the value that you promised them because in the end, you want them to generate more. You want them to buy more and you want them to tell other people. Customer advocacy and that's, these are concepts that sales leaders need to, and, and, and marketing leaders, frankly, the whole organization needs to really get around. 
So we've covered a wide waterfront in this conversation, and we know that there are many marketers listening. So what is your advice as they potentially approach their their sales leader and, and helping their sales leader being more effective and frankly, build alignment with their sales organization? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it really uh, comes down to some fundamental things. It, it really understand, first of all, is understand the motivation of the sales leader. And, and that's, again, this is very basic stuff. It's relationship building. It's understanding and seeing through that person's eyes. A sales leader is under tremendous pressure at all times to make the number. And that's what they care about. That's what they think about nonstop. That's what wakes them up every night at 2 a.m. or during the weekends. They're consumed by it. That's the personality of a sales leader. In order to be able to engage with that sales leader in an effective way, think about how you have to align what you're, what you're saying you can do and what you can do to help that sales leader. And that's around how do you help them generate revenue? How do you help them generate bookings? How do you generate them pipeline? Which is back to where we started in the beginning. And that means it could be scary for some marketers that you're going to sign up for a pipeline number or, or a revenue target number. That, that's, that's a change. That's, that's akin to what sales leaders deal with all the time, which is it's very clear who's performing and who's not performing. And you know what? When you start asking marketers to do the same thing and stepping up, they start to feel the same way. That's a good thing. It's a good thing because that aligns them with ultimately what sales leaders want. It can be very uncomfortable. But if you want to reach that sales leader who's consumed by that and they're trying to win those deals and get to their number, if you go to them with that approach and you try that approach, which is, I want to help you make your number. I feel marketing can do an amazing job of generating opportunities for your team that can generate pipe and generate revenue. And I'm willing to step up and align around that and sign up for a number. I think you'll have a very different conversation. I think you'll change the view, change the narrative. You'll get at least an audience. And I think most sales leaders will be very favorably disposed to listen to that because it's aligned to what they're trying to do. And if you can deliver on that, they will love you. <laughs> they will love you. Yep. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Discover how sales leaders can make a greater impact on the business. Download the Forrester Series Decisions CSO Planning Guide, where we delve into the six planning assumptions that will help CSOs make progress in their digital transformation journey and achieve their revenue goals in 2020. Visit forcom slash CSO planning that's forr.com slash CSO dash planning. Thanks for listening.